The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. And I don't believe there's even a possible way that we can quantify just how good, just how impressive Jason Vargas was tonight for the Royals against the A's. But we're going to do our best and talk all about it here on Clubhouse Conversation. What's up? It's Davo on Cloud9, as I'm sure you are, as the Royals shut out Oakland in just two hours and six minutes. 3 nothing, and it's the shortest KC game in three years. Lots of threes tonight as the Royals defeat Oakland once again. And really, the game was so quick and such an, a nice and easy-feeling Royals victory because Jason Vargas was just out of this world good. And you look at his numbers, you might say, yeah, the nine innings, three hits, zero runs, impressive, Davo, but he only struck out four. He wasn't overwhelming. You know, maybe he was getting lucky. No, not lucky at all. I think Oakland maybe squared up three balls the whole night. And he goes the entire nine on just 97 pitches. And this is, you know, this is arguably the best offense in the American League. I don't think it is anymore. I think losing Cespedes hurts the A's exponentially. I understand he doesn't get on base a lot, but, you know, losing that power source and uh, the middle of your lineup is not quite as good without a big bopper like that. So I think that that was a bad move by Billy Bean, as we've talked about before here on Clubhouse Conversation. But anyway, you look at it, Oakland does have the best offense statistically still in the AL, although I doubt by the end of the year that it is still that same way. But, I mean, the point being, it's not like Vargas shut down a bunch of chumps. And just 97 pitches on a team that walks and works the count as well as any team in the league, that's got to be embarrassing for Oakland and Billy Bean, doesn't it? 97 pitches in a shutout. I remember earlier this year, the Royals got shut out by Corey Kluber on 103, and that was bad for us. So I can't imagine how Oakland feels on just 97 pitches getting shut out. But but Jason Vargas, it's just so impressive. He retired 23 hitters in a row to end the game. And, of course, the biggest play defensively was in the first inning when Alcides Escobar was able to go deep to his right in the hole and keep Johnny Gomes's ball on the infield with a nice diving play. That kept Oakland from scoring a run as Josh Donaldson was rounding third hard, going on, on contact. If that ball gets through, he's probably going to score. I realize Alex Gordon's in shallow left, but most likely Donaldson's going to score on that. And from that point on, when Vargas ended the inning with the backwards K, Oakland really never was a part of the game offensively again. In fact, they only had one base runner in innings two through nine. And that, of course, was a leadoff single by Jed Lowry in the second. So once Jed Lowry was erased on that double play in the second and a nice play by Christian Cologne, Oakland never again had a base runner in this game. Unbelievable. Innings three through nine. And Jason Vargas, he could be the steal this winter. And we've been talking about him all year, raving about him all year. Before the All-Star break, he had a couple of rough starts, which kind of most notably won against Detroit, which kind of took him out of a dark horse candidacy for the All-Star game. And I realize in retrospect, he wasn't going to make it with Wade Davis not even sniffing consideration. But we talked about Jason Vargas, you know, the first two to two and a half months of the year was right there as a dark horse candidate for the All-Star game. And a couple rough starts out of the appendectomy. So perhaps his stats at the end of the year, the innings won't quite be there for what they would have been. The wins maybe, but I mean... Wins are for losers on good pitchers. People know wins and losses is like 1960, so nobody cares about that. But just saying in the grand scheme, innings pitch, some of the other stuff, 
I don't think the stats are going to give Jason Vargas enough credit for how good he was this year. Some of the stats, I mean, he, he strikes out a decent amount of hitters, but some of the stats are going to say that he's getting lucky because they're putting the ball in play and, and et cetera. But if you watch this game tonight and understood what was going on, it was Vargas attacking Oakland's game plan and just counteracting it. Now, Oakland was sitting on off-speed, breaking stuff. They wanted to just slap the ball to the right side. The right-handed hitters just slapped the ball to the left side. The couple lefties they had, like they did in that fifth inning in Oakland against Vargas. So him and Salvi pounded him with fastballs, pounded him in, out, changed directions. I mean, he just went, he, he basically took what they were trying to do and used it against them. That's what, that's what pitching is. So the fact that he only struck out four, I don't want to hear anybody saying that he got lucky, which is the one problem I have with stats at the end of the day is, you know, balls in play, here's the batting average, oh, he's getting lucky, he should be, the advanced metrics say he should be at this. Well, that's true for a lot of guys, but if you watch the game tonight and outings like this, it's, it's not giving Jason Vargas enough credit. I can't emphasize enough how excited I am by Jason Vargas, how well he's pitching. I think he could be the steal of last winter. When you look at that, what, $8 million a year? $32 million for four years for Vargas? Tell me that's not a steal right now. A steal for Jason Vargas. Absolute steal. If the Royals get one more good year out of him of the next three, that contract was totally worth it. Hopefully he can keep it going the rest of the season. Now, offensively, Omar Infante hits a two-run home run in the bottom of the third. That scored Nori after his single. That's all the Royals needed. A ball that Infante hit just kept going and going. Way out of the park. Casey would add a run later on a sack fly by Salvi Perez after Blowing another chance to score the inning before Lorenzo King was unable to get the runner home from third with one out. But it didn't matter because it was just the Jason Vargas show tonight. And I mentioned how excited I am by Jason Vargas. Uh, once again, the Royals' bullpen has got to be the freshest in baseball right now. I mean, Bruce Chen took one for the team yesterday. The bullpen didn't get used tonight. I mean, so the Royals' bullpen is just in 100% condition right now outside of Bruce Chen. But, I mean, Bruce Chen will probably be ready to pitch again on Friday. So, you know... It's just in great shape. Things are just shaping up so well for the Royals. They still hold on to a half-game lead over Detroit. Depending on who you believe, their chances of the postseason at this moment on August 13th are anywhere from 51% up to about 65%. They win the season series with Oakland, which is impressive in its own right. They're ahead 4-2 to two right now. They can make it 5-2 to two over Oakland with a victory tomorrow. The Royals 17-4, and four, their last 21. And they can rattle off their seventh series in a row tomorrow with a great matchup out at the K. James Shields, Jeff Samarja, a total gravy game. No pressure on this one at all. You've guaranteed yourself no worse than a 5-2 and two homestand. Who would have ever thunk the Royals would go 5-2 and two or 6-1 and one against Oakland and San Francisco? Realistically, who would have thunk that? Of course, it's possible. But the Royals have done it. They're five and two or six and one. It's a gravy game. Even if you lose and Detroit wins, you go on the road a half game behind Detroit or tied or down a game. I mean, Detroit's played one less game, so essentially, right now you're essentially right now you're in a dead tie with Detroit right now. But either way, you go out on the road. You know, no worse than a half game slash one game. And the Royals have the schedule going in their favor big time. Let's talk about tomorrow real quick before we preview the Minnesota. Because I will not be on the dish tomorrow. Thursday, I'll miss the majority of the game. Friday, will not be doing a dish as well. So I won't be with you again until Saturday here on the dish. So we're going to preview Minnesota here real quick as well. I'll not skimp on that for you. But tomorrow's game, Shields and Samarja. Coin toss game. Phenomenal matchup. I have a feeling the Royals are going to pull this one out tomorrow. They've got a rested bullpen. I see seven to eight innings at a James Shields, a three-run ball, and I think the Royals can scratch across three runs against Samarja. I think they won it in the ninth or tenth. The Royals were able to scrape across a run 
against Oakland's bullpen, they get the win in a six and one homestand. Even if they don't, though, it's fine. You know, tomorrow's just a game. It's, it's a fun game. It's kind of like last night. You win game one of this series, and you only had to win one of the next three. So last night when you got bombarded in the least favorable matchup of the of the series, pitching-wise, you didn't care. You're just like, whatever. You know, it's essentially a gravy game. Well, they got the win today. They had to win one of these last two to get to the great homestand and to get the split against Oakland. Now tomorrow again, because, you know, one of those games where it's nice if you win it, but you don't have to. And the Royals can still probably lose about 18 more games and win the AL Central by my calculation. So even if they lose tomorrow, well, by then you have 17 more losses to give. It's already August 15th, and you've got a lot of winnable games coming up, starting with the Twins this weekend. Friday, it's Danny Duffy, Ricky Nolasco, huge Royals favor there. And, of course, Minnesota's lineup just keeps getting weaker and weaker. I believe Maurer's back, but, you know, they lost Willingham. They weren't a good lineup to start with, so – Brian Dozier was good earlier in the year, but is don't know what happened to him all of a sudden. I guess the law of averages and the mean came back to him. Sample size. But you love the Royals on Friday, Duffy and Alasco. Ace Ventura, Phil Hughes. Now, pitching wise, that's a fairly solid matchup. You know, stats will tell you it's pretty even, depending on which metrics you look at, depending on what line you like to look at. So I don't know, but the Royals are so much better than the Twins, and they're so much hotter right now. Their bullpen's so much better. I don't think the pitching matchups really matter that much in this series, to be honest. Guthrie and Malone, I like that one the least because I just have nightmares of Tommy Malone when he pitched against the Royals with Oakland. I know he's probably not quite the pitcher that it seems like he is whenever the Royals see him, but I see two out of three in Minnesota, and that's all they need. Hell, if they beat Oakland tomorrow, they could lose two out of three and still be fine because we keep saying the formula for the postseason. What do we keep saying? As of a couple of weeks ago, we said the Royals need to sweep three series. They've already done two. So the Royals have already done two-thirds of the sweeps, and they still have a month and a half left in the season. We said they need to take two out of three in all but three or four series. In the series that they don't win, they can't get swept. So even if you lose two out of three against Minnesota, guess what? You can still lose two out of three at least two more times. So it's looking good right now for the Royals. I like the series this weekend. I like the matchup. I see the Royals winning three of the next four games. We're going to go ahead and just be bold and predict a win Thursday, a win Friday, a win Saturday, and a loss on Sunday. I think the Royals get back to another four-game winning streak before they lose again. And I think they make it eight series wins in a row. I don't know. Maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid extra here on Clubhouse Conversation. Anyway, enjoy your next couple of days. We'll talk to you again on Saturday. Be looking for some interviews published here soon on Clubhouse Conversation including 1982 and 1983 setup man for Dan Quisenberry. Mike Armstrong will join us on the show. We'll have a few more current Royals before the season wraps up as well. And we'll keep the former players going year-round here in Clubhouse Conversation. You'll have a weekly interview year-round with former Royals always here on Clubhouse Conversation. And during the season, you'll get a weekly interview with the current guys. We'll talk to you again on Saturday. Have yourself a great early portion of your weekend, and go Royals!